This is Inside Exec, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Juliana Osborne, and today we're going to talk about empowerment. Empowerment, to me, means knowing that I am capable of carrying out a particular activity. Now it doesn't really matter what that activity is, so long as I feel that I have the skills, the knowledge, the capacity, the capability to carry out a particular task and having completed the task I will then feel empowered. I believe empowerment is something a person gives to themselves. I don't believe it is something that you give to someone else. So no matter if, if we talk about the work in a work situation, you empower yourself. In other words, you have initiative, you have something to contribute. So as an individual, you should feel you're able to make decisions within certain parameters. Um, you should be able to run the part of that um, the job you're doing as, as if you own that organisation and make those decisions for the best interest of the organisation. And how do you do that and for the customer and that is by keep focusing on the vision, I believe, on the organisation vision so everybody is pulling in the right direction. Kim is smiling because I use the word vision and it's one of her banned words. <laughs> so is that power? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking you know, we're going to hit a few of my banned words, blacklist <laughs> words, vision, empowerment. We're going to talk about goals in a minute. <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> I think if you're looking at as the manager, the leader of the team, whatever, the CEO, basically you've got to make it clear to the people that work with you is that they are to make decisions and they don't have to have permission for every little decision, providing that it is inconsistent with the organisation objective, <laughs> the organisation direction. You will give them the tools and the support that is pretty scary for a lot of leaders and managers because you think if they go and making decisions all over the place, what if they do it wrong? What if they commit us to something we can't recover? It's understandable that you'll be nervous, but if you let them do it, that's when they learn and grow and that's when you, they come up with good ideas and that's we all will benefit from that. I'm, I'm surprised that you say that empowerment is not something that we give to others because we are expected as managers and as executives to empower our teams. So if we're not in a position where we can be empowering others, why are we expected to be empowering others? Well, I, I'm trying to make the point is that empowerment individuals should feel empowered. There are certain rules within an organisation like a delegation issue that somebody can only sign off on an, a certain amount and stuff like that. So these so are the specific. That's, that's right. But in general, what you're looking for people is like, I'm not going to do anything because my position is saying this and my manager does not empower me, should not limit a person from using initiative um, the manager should create the environment and the support and the encouragement and the reward for using initiative. Even when you make a mistake, is how you recover from it should be rewarded and not to repeat the mistake, obviously. So, so seeking empowerment shouldn't be a threatening thing or a scary thing. 
yes. should be something that we aspire to do because it's going to move us forward in our careers or it's going to make us better at the work that we're doing or it's going to make the result better for the consumer of our particular service. That's right. And it, it's a much, much more attractive environment to work in because you're feeling like you are really contributing, you're leading in your own part of the business. And there's reward. There's yes. reward in the tasks for its own sake rather than any other external acknowledgement of, of what you've done. The, the other thing is, obviously, is efficiency. Is instead of something going, oh, no, I can't talk about that, I can't do that, I need to go to this person and then this person and this person. As I said, there's sometimes, this, yes, you do, because it's um, um, delegation could be not even in the country. You have to go outside the country. But at the end of the day, in the normal um, execution process, you shouldn't have too many handoffs in the process. It should be the person who can make the decision at that point, make it, and this way it's done, and everybody benefits from speed, accuracy, and timeliness. Which also highlights that... Empowerment can come not just from knowledge, not just from learning something new and, and knowing how to do something, but the acknowledgement that you've done something right can be yes. empowering. That's right. So empowering is, I guess some people might use the word allowed for that, which I don't like using because, as I said, allow yourself. The other one, it's empowering when you feel you've got the results, which is the point you're making. Mm -hmm. And that is, it is very empowering to know that, I took this initiative and this is the result and isn't that great? Yeah. So empowerment in that sense builds confidence in your ability, builds your standing in an organisation. So it's a much broader category of results than just what it might appear to you to be individually. It's not just about, as I said, learning something new and being able to do something well but it's about recognition and it's about, in the broader sense then, empowering your team as well to be considered favourably in the eyes of the rest of the organisation. That's right. The, the other thing is it doesn't make sense to me to think that one person will make all the decisions because they happen to have a, a higher title and a bigger salary. It is not utilising the people around you that... The, there's a whole lot of brains <laughs> waiting to be engaged, waiting to be participating, uh, waiting to participate. And by not allowing that or creating an environment that says, no, you can't, you've got to run it by me and I've got to sign off on it, every little thing, all you're doing is making sure that becomes less and less initiative used and therefore no innovation no new ideas come through and we just keep doing what we're doing till we go backwards. So then what are the, the blockages to empowerment? I think the blockages, one of them is the fear of not having control. and fear of things, failure. <laughs> yeah, fear of failure. Fear of, oh, what if it goes wrong and then I'm going to spend three times as long to fix it. And, and, how, will and, and, yes. and how far will I fall in my standing? Yes, and all that image, power. But if you don't let people do their jobs, then why hire them in the first place? <laughs> hmm. So what, what responsibility then can organisations take to empower the people within the organisation? It's creating the environment. Oh, oh it's the vision. It's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's creating an environment. Very good. Very that good. says we value new ideas. 
We value initiative. We value challenging assumptions and respecting things that happened in the past that got us to today, but also let's be futuristic where we're going. And, and as we heard John Eddy say in a couple of, of the sessions with him, if you promise these things as an organisation, you need to deliver them. That's right. And so how do you then, if you're, you feel that you are promising, that you are delivering, how do you measure empowerment? Well, first of all, how you prove it is by the rewards. You reward people through the, the processes that are in the organisation, like the performance process, program, reward by taking into account the person went out of their way and contributed to the wider organisation. So there's tangible evidence of the organisation valuing initiative and participation across the organisation. And by doing that, people would want to work for an organisation like that. I think it's action hmm. rather than just words. When I think about examples of, of what we have seen as empowerment in our history, mm. the most obvious one that comes to my mind is one that was with very well-known organisation that is designed for women in the country. And you might have guessed that it's the Country Women's Association of New South Wales. And I was involved in that organisation for quite a number of years. Most empowering example I can think of within that, and it stands out because it was just such a change for this person's life, was that we, we did have a person within the branch where I was that was the meek, mild country wife, never say a thing wrong, go to church on Sundays, do everything for the community, never expect any return. And almost the invisible person that many organisations have. And so no one had ever thought to ask her to do anything in particular for the branch. And we came to a point where we needed some people on the executive to run the organisation, and that is a problem for many organisations and continues to be a problem for organisations. People are not going to put up their hand mm -hmm. to say, I will do this job. No different to a big organisation where you're trying to identify someone to do a particular task. But in terms of this voluntary group, this woman had never been asked to be on the executive and she would never have volunteered to be on the executive because she just wasn't that sort of person. She was, however, a very, very accomplished cook, as many of the Country Women Association members are. Although it's not all about cooking, they do some extraordinary work around rural and regional New South Wales in all sorts of areas that you would never expect. We determined that perhaps we might ask her if she would consider standing for this coordination role that was about a, a cookery competition. And she went that year, she said yes to us, which we were surprised at to start with, but she said yes. And I, I believe that she was pleased to be asked, even though she would never volunteer. And for the next 12 months, she organised everyone else to cook and because it was her and we all felt that we needed to support her in some way and encourage her, we all made an extra effort, which was interesting in itself. And at the end of the 12 months, she had the most entries that we had ever had in, in this particular competition. And that gave her, obviously, a sense of achievement. And it empowered her in a way that we would never have envisaged because the following year, she put up her hand and said, I would like to do the secretary role, which was a much bigger role, much more work, much more 
obvious a role in terms of negotiating and liaising with all the other branches and the state head office and suddenly this person blossomed and now I can look at it 10 years later and she's not just involved in the CWA, she's involved in the local agricultural association and the local Vinnie's op shop. And so we've seen someone blossom from the mouse into a really empowered individual. And that's my best example that I can think of, of someone who, for want of confidence in herself and her abilities, was not ever going to be in a position to empower herself. She needed someone else to help her along that path, to show her the direction and to support her, which we all did in that first 12 months, and show that we believed in her. And then she was away. She, she was on the path. She didn't need us to do that anymore because she knew that we had, in that initial period of time where she was unsure, we had reassured her. That's a very good example of the benefits of empowerment and where it can lead. Um, so as an individual, it's up to you to make sure that you contribute and don't wait for somebody to tell you, as we said before. And as a leader, don't be afraid. Um, this is an example of a good result. An example of team empowerment is in the introduction of total quality and process improvement. And big organisations have, all organisations have processes and, and that, that work or maybe not work as well. And they improve them over time and in some cases they get worse. I was working for an organisation where they did this throughout, globally throughout the organisation, said we're going to review all our processes and we're going to review them from starting with the customer, ending with the customer, and the people who are going to review it and make the changes are the people working on the process right now. So it involved more than one division. It involved every part of the organisation that touched that process. It had one representative from each area and that team was totally empowered to decide what is the critical business issue, what is currently wrong with the process, all the issues that are wrong with the process, and then what should the process look like. And when you had all different ranks in the room, the, the golden room rule was there is no rank in the room. Only the people that actually do the job can tell us exactly how we do it. Not the team leader, not the manager, not the top guy. It's, it's all about the person who's doing it because they actually know what they do and what is frustrating in doing it. What it also did was it made sure that end-to-end -end people saw the whole process. In some cases people been doing it for years and have not seen what happens when I finish with my bit. So the impact or the way they received the information and the way they translated it to the next stage was they were seeing it in isolation. That was a fantastic initiative that made people feel very happy that they participated and created the new process, not just they've been more than listened to, they were given empowerment to go ahead and make the changes, which resulted in a lot of savings in both time and accuracy. What had happened there, initially there was a bit of fear about if we come up with that, 
we're going to have a lot of people made redundant. The answer was quite opposite in that smooth process created more opportunity, more business, and therefore we could do more with less. Mm. Interesting that the worry when they're thinking about a process is the, the negative impact of the change to the process rather than the opportunities that it might present. And I think that's a detractor from empowerment is that we seem to, in, in today's business arena, think of the worst, you know, mm. what this, this is going to do, anything that we do, anything that we change is going, even though we want to change it because we want to make it better, is going to have a negative impact, is our first thoughts. And that might be a topic for another time where we talk about, and I think we, we do have it down as one of the topics where we talk about, is change always a bad thing or, or something about taking risks? But that's for a later episode. Well, I think it'd be also I interesting know to know. Okay, go ahead before you forget. <laughs> uh, I, it, what occurred to me while you were talking was that we also need to talk about doing a self-skills audit at some point so that we can identify where we might need to develop something, some skill, some approach, some attitude, so that we can empower ourselves. So I'll put that down on the notepad for another talk later. Self-skills audit, that's what we'll be talking about. Another example of empowerment had one person saying to me, look, I really, really believe that if we had this role that would do A, B, C and D, we're going to get all these benefits. And it's very, very frustrating that this is, I mentioned it and nobody, they kind of agreed, but nobody took it the next step. And I thought to myself, who were you expecting to take it to the next step? And the person said, well, I mentioned it to all the key players, senior people. And I said, well, how much do they know of that detail? How passionate are you about that? How confident are you about getting those results? I'll just ask questions. And each time the passion came through, the facts were very strong. I said, so why are you waiting for someone else for such a powerful thing that you have? Why don't you lead it? But I can't create a position. I can't decide what level it is. I can't. I said, why, what can you do then? <laughs> and just sort of just tell you the essence of the story is this person did take the lead. She decided to take the lead. She took the lead and she got the results. And in a million years, she said she wouldn't have thought that because she said she could only take it up to a certain point and somebody else had to run with it. What she ended up doing is taking it all the way, preparing all the work, all the facts, etc., and then taking it throughout the relevant parts of the organisation to make it happen. Yes, and so walking it through. Walking, walking, it, walking through. it through the process rather than yeah. handing it over for everyone else to do their little bits in the process. That's right. And the measure of satisfaction of that person in achieving that end result was enormous. And what it also does is something that we've talked about previously is that her passion and her drive for this yeah. particular outcome would have been so obvious that everyone else would have been swept up into that and the objections that might have occurred had she left the process or the, the paperwork to talk for itself yes. would not have occurred or she would have been able to address them and move on and keep the process moving rather than have another delay or have it sit somewhere because no one was quite sure what they really felt 
about that particular thing that she was proposing, a good solution. Yes. I think we've covered a fair bit today about empowerment and what it means in, in terms of individuals and in terms of teams and whether it's your responsibility or the organisation's responsibility, whether you can give it or whether you can take it. Let us know your thoughts on empowerment and your experiences with empowerment, whether they're positive or negative. We're going to have a podcast in the future where we talk about all of the feedback that we're getting from everyone. We do really appreciate it. And one of the things I was supposed to mention at the beginning of this podcast, and I've only just realised now, is that we thank those of you who let us know about the problems with the volume of some of the earlier podcasts. We now have individual microphones, so that the quality and level of the volume should be much more balanced from now on. Thanks for being with us again today. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Paul Young Osborne, and this is Inside Insect. Music